We'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16. And I'm gonna, it's going to take me a while to get there. So when I do get there, I'm going to ask you to stand. So now I would like you to pray. And let's ask the Lord to speak direct to us. Lord, we bow our heads before you. And... Um, The gospel is good news, bad news. The bad news is that if you don't take the blame, we have to. The good news is that you did take the blame. Uh, Help us to see this. Help us to be uh, the unopened letter that is opened uh, to tell others, as Paul decided he would do, what a transformation he made. He literally switched kingdoms from the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God. And whenever you call somebody and you choose them, it really does take that decision, a switching of kingdoms from the kingdom of man to the kingdom of God. Open our eyes to the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance and the power of your might. For we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to pick up where Todd left off in the book of Acts and uh, Up on the screen, you'll see in a moment uh, the flags of our fathers. How many of you have seen that movie? Uh, Raise your hands if you would so that we can find out those. It's quite a movie, uh, quite a statement. And that particular picture, for those that have been around any length of time, is frozen in time. Uh, Those uh, uh, brave uh, guys, actually the picture was taken twice. If you saw the movie, we were uh, uh, flags of our fathers. And um, the three of those guys that actually raised that flag uh, were plucked out of the combat zone, which is basically the worst thing you can do for any soldier, because where he wants to be are with his comrades. He wants to be with the other guys. He wants to be with the guys that were literally killed. To pull them out and then to use them to raise bonds was an insult. And that's why uh, folks like Ira Hayes and others Uh, destroyed their lives because this was just a sham. Where they wanted to be is with their buddies. And the true heroes then were the ones who had uh, themselves, they were splattered across the rocks of Mount Suribachi and Iwo Jima. Did you know, though, that this picture frozen in time is actually uh, alive and well in this congregation? Because uh, there is a family in this church and their a father is a man who was, is an Iwo Jima veteran. He was on the beach. Most of the folks that in his outfit were killed. He himself was uh, badly wounded, was supposed to lose both legs. He just lost one leg. Came back as an amputee at the age of 19. And this is where most of the guys catch it. They're young, 19. And his father... Now, this is the flag of his father, and sometimes even our country says these things. But his own father said to his son, how would you like this said to you? You will be nothing but a worthless cripple. Age 19. Well, that affected, that wounded this man so much so that he proceeded to invest his life in a very wise way. I would say he's actually the father of modern technology, he gave me a little plastic card the size you could put into your wallet, 
And on it, he had the entire Old and New Testament reduced down. That is a, uh, a preliminary to what we consider modern technology of taking information, reducing, reducing, reducing. Now he's in his 80s. Can't see too good. Can't hear so well. And he wants to die. Why? Because it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is to say, my father said to me, I will be nothing but a worthless cripple. I've worked all my life to disprove that. But now the equation is because I can't do anything, I must be worthless. And believe it or not, he's frozen in time. And maybe you need to ask yourself, are you frozen in time? By some of those insults, by some of those awful things that are said to us. Jesus himself could have been frozen in time. Uh, Jesus uh, made the comment on the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I have a close friend that is wrestling with extremely difficult uh, pain. He has chronic pain, headaches that are just horrible. Every day for eight years has gone on. And he said, I at times just want to curse God. If this is the way I am to live, who needs it? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he cried that out to God. And then he said, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. And this is what he said. The Lord said back to him. He said, that's okay. If my son can say that, so can you. Well, this is where Paul came from. And I'm going to read a scripture, which is preliminary. So don't let me set you off here because we're going to get into the book of Acts in a second. But Paul himself in first Corinthians uh, chapter 15 uh, defines the gospel. And at the end of it, he says, I am one abnormally born. And the reason he says that is because Paul himself literally cursed. Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus and uh, blinded him. And then when he uh, sent Ananias to the street named Straight uh, to get him straight, I guess. But uh, Jesus said to him, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? He remembered that. That's why he calls himself one abnormally born. Well, step into this because I want you to hear the gospel because today a lot of people don't even know what this gospel message is. See if you figure it out. But if you don't, I'll tell you. <laughs> Chapter 15, I'll read it. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. I preach to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand. Isn't that a flag? Isn't a flag of the United States of America? Isn't that all about a commitment to a cause? as opposed to any other nation? Isn't there a cause in the name of Christ? Uh, what is the gospel? What is our cause? Well, Paul's going to tell us. And on that, we plant a flag. We, we, we make a stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. <laughs> Pretty simple. For what I receive, I pass on to you of the first importance that here's the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised to the third day, according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. Well, uh, this morning we're going to key in on the flag, the flag, singular, the flag of our father. 
And that is the gospel. I want you to understand that's what it is. It's the gospel. And preliminary to you stepping into the book of Acts, I want you to understand the gospel is offensive. Um, People are offended every day by the gospel. Uh, Jesus said it would be offensive. In fact, uh, I'll step into one of the scriptures he quoted when he was in the the, uh, uh, synagogue. It's out of Isaiah 61. Listen to it. He, he read this and then he sat down and he didn't even complete uh, the scripture. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom to the captives, release from the uh, from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, there's more, but he sat down right there because I believe the rest of it has to do with his second coming. But his first coming, he said, this is me. I'm the Messiah. He sat down. And if you look in Luke chapter four, he opened a Pandora's box of horrific controversy. He offended them. He offended everyone. Well, the gospel is offensive. Old Testament, New Testament, extremely offensive. Paul, when he switched kingdoms, offended a tremendous number of people and eventually was martyred. The gospel is offensive. So if you think that the offensive is just the good old boy club, if you think it's like just feel good, uh, it's not. There's good news and there's bad news. Uh, The good news is that Christ died for our sin. The bad news is that we're sinners. The good news is that we're forgiven. The bad news is that if we don't come to him on his terms, we will remain in guilt. Last Sunday, after Todd's message, which I thought was awesome, um, he was likening a bride to a groom. Picture that. And he said that Christ is literally the groom and we are the bride. And he said we are betrothed, i.e. we are actually Christ loves us. He calls us. He did it all for us. And he, he, he asks us, will you marry me? <laughs> and it's up to you to respond to that. Well, after the first service was packed out, uh, a young 15-year-old girl that I was kid with said, guess what? I'm engaged. You are? Uh, I didn't know that. You're only 15. She said, yeah, I'm engaged. I'm betrothed. I'm engaged to Jesus. <laughs> well, Todd got a kick out of that first service because when you teach or preach or proclaim the word of God, you want people to respond And she said, I responded. That's tough for a 15-year-old girl. But that's the point. I'm engaged. Today, if you watch carefully, you will hear a feel-good gospel. It's only the good news. There's no bad news. Well, I'd like to do that, except the gospel always comes in a package of good news, bad news. Uh, How can we appreciate the light if there is not darkness? How can we appreciate good news if there isn't bad news? How could this young lady say, I appreciate being engaged to Christ if she began to realize what it's like not to be engaged? How can we understand love if we never come to a point of realizing how futile it is without Christ? Well, this is all preliminary to the scripture we're going to read. So let's step into it here for Pete's sake. George, let's get on with it, huh? Man, quit delaying, right? Everyone's saying, where are you going here? I thought we were getting in Acts chapter 
9, verse 15 and 16. Why don't you stand and I'll give you the background for that one. (laughs) We may end with this. I don't know. Okay, um, be ready because we're going to have it up on the screen. But I want to give you the context. Never take scripture out of context. If you just read one or two verses, you'll never figure out what it's all about. So that's why I'm going back. This is where Todd left off. Acts. I'm going to read verse 10. You don't have to read this. I guess I screwed people up the first service. They thought, where is he? Well, just wait and I'll get there. I'll get her done. Um, Chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he said, the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, where he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore sight. Verse 13, I'm getting there. Lord, Ananias answered, uh, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I don't. Uh, Paul is bad. He's like an Osama bin Laden. I don't want to go there with him. You, don't you understand, Lord? This guy has killed Stephen. He betrayed uh, Gamaliel. And Gamaliel said, let the cards fall where they will, so to speak. And he just goes and, you know, takes it in his own hand. He's a bad guy. This is where you and I come in. Uh, You ready? Now, I don't want you to sound like Presbyterians or Baptists or Lutherans. I want you to sound like, man, I mean it. This is really the living word of God. Are you ready? Verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Well done. Have a seat. Thank you very much. So I'm going to try in the time remaining. How do we answer these two questions? One, who is chosen? And question number two is what are the chosen chosen to do? Is this chosen word, is that like a secret club? Are we like in a fraternity or a sorority? Is there a hell week? Um, What's involved in becoming chosen? It sounds like a spooky word, isn't it? I mean, a lot of people think it's spooky, like chosen. It's a mystery club. Well, let's find out what chosen is. John 3, 16 and 17 is a familiar scripture to you. It says, God so loved the world that whosoever, you might uh, circle that word, believes shall not perish but have everlasting life. Believes in Christ. Are you a whosoever? I mean, do you qualify as a whosoever? After I accepted Christ in the Navy uh, in the Philippines, I met a, uh, we, one of the hairiest rescues I ever did was at night. And one of our rescue air crewmen, his name was Dudek. <laughs> And uh, it was such a hairy rescue that he was screaming at me. Profanity. Well, that's wonderful. I have vertigo, autokinesis, black knight, disoriented, just did a 360 flip. And he's now screaming at me that I'm drifting left. It didn't help. And then the smoke from the guy that's to be rescued is like coming up through the rotor blades. Very disorienting. Well, anyway, a month later, I became a believer in Christ. 
And then later we had a little R&R. And when people go on R&R, that means rest and recuperation or something. But really what it meant was getting smashed. And everybody always got smashed, but except I used to get smashed, but I didn't get smashed anymore. Dudek was smashed. And he said, he came up to me, and he was like drunk. And he said, you know something, I, I know I'm going to hell. And he said, I know that some are predestined to heaven and some are predestined to hell. And I'm the one that's predestined to hell. So there. And now I'm no theologian, I'm just a brand new Christian. And I thought, John 3.16, well, I said, God so loved the world that whosoever... I said, Dudek, are you a whosoever? <laughs> whosoever shall believe shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Did you hear there's good news and bad news? Perish, everlasting life. Gospel, always. Would you rather perish or would you rather have everlasting life? Which one? Up to you. Free will, free choice. That's what Paul is saying. Well, I'll give you some more. Uh, I'm trying to elaborate. The whosoever then qualifies you to be chosen. But it narrows down a little bit. Matthew 22:14. Many are called. I.e., God almost He proposes to everybody. Everybody. I, w- I want to marry every one of you. But it says few are chosen. That must mean that very few respond to His call on His terms. Uh, Matthew 7:13. Uh, there's a wide road. And that road leads to destruction. And most people go down that road. It's an easy road. They're frozen. They're frozen in time. And then there's another road. It's a real narrow road. And uh, there are very few that walk down that one. Is that an exclusive club? How how do you get to go down that road? 1 Peter 2.9 says, You are a royal priesthood, a chosen people. A people after God's own heart, so to speak, Uh, But some of you were, and he lists all the sins. And out of that, you came, (laughs) and now you are God's chosen. Well, that means everybody that comes to God on his terms. Now, 1 Corinthians 15, 8, that's why I tied it in, because Paul says, I am one abnormally born. I was a persecutor of, of Christ. Jesus actually met me on the road to Damascus. Jesus said, why do you persecute me? And Paul says, so if anybody, I should be the least likely to become a believer. You might think Osama bin Laden would be that. Paul was as bad. Just that bad. So now watch this, because this is important. If, if indeed Paul, who is abnormally born, is brought into the kingdom and called and chosen, where does that put you? <laughs> you weren't as bad as Paul. None of us are as bad. So that means that all of us who are called could actually literally be chosen. Paul is saying, if I got chosen, why wouldn't he choose you? That's the way I feel as a a pastor in this church. If God can use George, he can use anybody. Do you get it? So what's the answer to my question? Who are chosen? Well, one more scripture, Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come on to me, all of you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. All. Do you come here broken? Do you come here busted? Do you come here pulverized by the world in which you live? Uh, are, are you just absolutely beside yourself? If you come that way, good. If you come with an ego, if you come as a know-it-all, if you come, if you come arrogant or self-righteous, I'm sorry, it's not going to work. The answer to this question is you. 
You were chosen. Every one of you in this sanctuary. Everyone who comes to God through Christ is chosen. Now that sounds narrow, and it is. That's why he said the road is narrow. And few walk that road. But do you see what I'm saying? Now, the good news is that if you will come, desperate, broken, convicted of your guilt, uh, really convicted of your sinful state, that's the bad news. <laughs> I have to admit that I am that. But I, I come just as I am. I come without a, I, I'm coming to you because you're the only one that can cover my sin. There's only one cross. Paul would put it this way, verses, chapters 1 through 3 of Romans, he would say, uh, we are all desperately wicked. There is none righteous. If you end at chapter 3 in the book of Romans, you're ready to go to the psych ward. Because it's looking bad. It's looking really bad. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. <laughs> we got the, the blackness here. Why is it black? So that when he gives you the engagement ring, like a jeweler would, they use a black backdrop, that that diamond would shine brightly. It has to shine brightly. It has to be contrasted. The bad news is it's black. But the good news, uh, chapters, well, Romans uh, 4 and on, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Good news. That good news really shines in the light of the bad news. But if we don't tell the bad news and people don't understand the significance of the cross and the cross is the flag of the father. Do you get it? That's what we are to carry. That's what we are to plant. Well, we'll keep going. I didn't mean to get emotional. I'm sorry. Um, you, I chose to serve in the Navy. I did. I could have chose the Air Force. I could have chose the Marine Corps. I could have chose to be a conscientious objector. I guess I could have chosen anything Except I chose the Navy because my, my brother-in-law chose the Navy, and I like water. Guess what? The Navy, as a result of me choosing the Navy, chose me. <gasps> I don't know if they choose me now, but they chose me then. They were looking for hot bodies to fly, and that I qualified. So, what I'm trying to say here is God is always, I pray, you understand, he's always calling. He's always saying, come, come to me. Come to me on my terms. Uh, and when you do, you are chosen by God. Now, what are we chosen to do? I mean, so I'm in a chosen. I'm chosen. That's good. That's very valuable. That's huge. That's what I want to end with here. Uh, what are we chosen to do? Well, Acts 15 and 16, that's why I had you stand and read it. And it's probably on the front of your bulletin. Take it home. Really look at it. The answer is there. Simple. To be cross-bearers, that is, to carry the cross. Jesus said, if, unless you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? Well, it means to be courageous, like those that were on Mount Suribachi, to give their life up for someone else that they might live. There's a lot of parallels to the military here. Well, to be cross-bearers, i.e., carry the cross, the message of the cross, go in my name to who? <laughs> To other church members, to somebody that's safe and secure. There's a list right here, three of them. Carry my name to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? They are flaming pagans. That's what a Gentile is, a flaming pagan. Well, and they're kings. Who are the kings of the Gentiles? They are the leaders of flaming pagans. 
and the people of Israel. Who are the people of Israel? They are religious flaming pagans. That's who we are to go to. It's not a spit and little club. It's not a let's fellowship. You know, you bring the pizza, I bring the guitar. It's not that. That's why this church is so committed to missions, to go to take the name of Christ and how he transforms a heart to others. That's what Paul was chosen to do. And that's what you and I are chosen to do. And cross bearers, cross barriers. Uh, I got this out of Todd's message. <laughs> he says he must suffer. That is to say, in verse 16, he must sacrifice. There's good news and bad news. The good news is that the gospel is what people desperately need. Todd's continually telling us that. The bad news is the gospel is what people hate. <laughs> because it brings us an accountability to God. That is not comfortable. That, that is really not acceptable to many people. The good news is the gospel is the only way we can get along, even as a church, with each other. It's the only way. Paul appealed to the gospel when there were controversies and conflicts in the church. He said, let me appeal. Let's appeal to Christ. If we're brothers and sisters indeed, then let's... Well, easier said than done. Well, the bad news is that we all have ego. We're all prideful. We all are self-righteous. And even as believers, we travel there. Don't we? What if uh, Christ were truly Christ of my life? What, were, if, what if he were the Lord of my family? I think we'd get along. What if the Lord at all times was the Lord of Colorado? And if he were the, uh, the Lord of the nations? Do you understand that literally this is the only way we can get along? It sounds so exclusive. I know. I don't know how else it works. Let me tell you a personal application to me. And with this, I'll tie it all together. Todd, a couple of months ago, was talking about crossing barriers. You've seen that term before. And I handed him a little note and said, cross bearers, uh, cross barriers. That is, if I'm carrying the cross, I'm going to cross barriers. Well, I don't have a problem with the uh, Ethiopian eunuchs. I don't have a problem with the Samaritans. I love to talk to people that are not believers. I, I love it. There's a gal in this church that goes into the bars. I probably will go with her. She shares the gospel. What would be a pastor be doing in the bars? I hope you understand this is where people that do not know Christ are looking to fill that God-shaped vacuum. What if people actually went and met them on their turf? Isn't that what missions is all about? Well, uh, I think it is, so I hope you do too. How about your neighbor? How about volleyball? You don't have to go into a bar. You don't have to be a biker. You don't have to be... You just There are people you meet I won't. Well, this is my challenge. I thought, who are the ones that would be difficult for me to cross that barrier? And I thought, way back to the beginning of this church. And there were some people that started this church with us 16, 17 years ago, 18 years ago. They got really mad at me, and I tried to be reconciled. I guess Ezekiel uh, says that we should be the repairer of the breach. We should try to be at peace with our brothers as po at all possible. harder I tried, the worse it got. My, my family physician said, don't do that anymore, George. They don't want to be reconciled. <laughs> it's like coming to bring, you know, the best champagne and caviar with a silver platter, and they go, Pfft. ever happened to you? It really is hard when you're in the church and you really want to try to work it out 
And so I just tried to destroy myself. I, I went into clinical depression, and I finally just had to drop it. Well, I thought, what if I stopped by their place again? I did. They weren't there, but their kids were. And uh, I said, do you remember me? Yeah, we remember you. <laughs> um, I said, I'd like to leave a note for your mom and dad. And uh, so I did. We're having uh, dinner with them this coming Thursday. It's a neat family. Does that mean that I agree with the way they handle things? I said, I think some of your observations were correct. I didn't say that, but the way you did it was just horrible. <laughs> These are brothers and sisters in Christ. I sent a little letter to some people that were really offended about three years ago. Some of you may, it doesn't matter who they are. Isn't this what we should be about, though, in the church? I said, um, just want you to know that Glenn and I have fond memories of you. Uh, and some of your observations were correct. I was so blind. That doesn't indict anybody. I didn't name which ones I thought were correct and which weren't. Nor did I say the way you did it was terrible. I simply said, in spite of all of our mistakes, and we've made plenty, churches will. You won't find any that don't. Uh, God is blessing. He's getting us back on track. I know your prayers have been this and that. And uh, what I see happening is an answer to your prayers. The card had a little duck on the front. It was a cute little duck. And he was eating popcorn with his, uh, his little uh, fast-forward thing, you know, his channel flipper. And on the inside, it says, wouldn't it be nice to fast-forward through the crummy times? Well, I don't know. I've not got any response from those people, but maybe I never will. Isn't this the gospel? That in the midst of all of our depravity, all of our selfishness, all of our ego... Even in the church, that couldn't we at least attempt to say, let's appeal to Christ? Well, that was just a personal thing for me. Maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe I'm a Billy Bud. Maybe I'm a Forrest Gump. I don't care. I just happen to think these are the things that Christ has called me to do. And maybe he's calling you to do that too. Does that mean that the people in the, uh, were... Uh, it takes two to tango. Does that mean that what they did was right? No. It's wrong. It's really wrong. But maybe some of the things I did was wrong, too. Billy Graham said that, what if the world in which you and I live, I guess we'd call it a pagan world, would see this? Well, they would say, wow, that's different. I've never seen that happen before. And Billy Graham says, uh, I'm just one beggar trying to show another beggar <laughs> where to find bread. That's it. That's what you're chosen for. That's what I'm chosen for. To go into enemy territory. Well, final challenge is up here, and this I'll end. Frozen in time, is that us? Have uh, insults, injuries, comments, statements, things that are said, things that are done, whether intentional or unintentional, have they left you? Have they left me? Have they left us frozen in time? We can't even move. And now we're on a self-destructive bent or at least cursing God because of it? Or are you chosen for all eternity? I think you understand what chosen is now. Paul finally decided, I am going to get on with what Christ called me. He could have said no, but he decided to. And one of the reasons you and I are here today is because of his faithfulness. Did you understand that you are as chosen as Paul was chosen? Do you understand that you will leave a legacy as he left a legacy, one way or another? Well, 
Why aren't we sharing the gospel, I guess, is my question. And if not you, then who? If not now, when? If you're not sure how to do that, on Friday, uh, Wednesday nights we do a class from 7 to 8, gathering place. We try to get into detail on how to do that through the Gospel of Matthew, and you're welcome to come. Some people say, great, you know, you leave me holding this bag, and you don't even show me how to do it. Well, we will. Um, would you pray with me? Lord, we realize that this gospel is controversial and it's offensive because it's exclusive. And people don't like to look at it that way. And we'd rather give the good news that you forgive and you love us and you care and you're a loving God. And and all of that is true. But it really doesn't have much clout if there isn't something from which we've been delivered. Repent means to turn from something to something. Um, freedom means that there's a lack of freedom. Life means there's death. Love means there's hate. <laughs> Lord, uh, there's a switching of kingdoms that you pull off and you always give us that opportunity. Every one. You're calling every person every moment of every day. And if you are here this morning and God is saying, come on into my kingdom, please do. Would you, in the quiet of your heart, say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to fill me with your spirit. And in that same breath, I can walk out of here forgiven and free. But also very aware that the life I travel now and have been traveling is very, very destructive. And traveling in a way that's not honoring to you always destroys. I I can't be loose from that. I can't be free of it. Why not just come on over to your kingdom? For those that have done that, we'd love to hear about it as we pray with you after the service. Um, Every one of us, Lord, may we see that we are chosen, and that is a privilege, it's a gift. As we have come to you on your terms, we are chosen to reach a world that's very, very, very desperately lost and trying to find something. And uh, I ask you would give us a boldness and a courage and the capacity to sacrifice that would reach that world. Now may the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit go with you, be with you, now and forevermore. Amen. Thanks for being here. We're going to have a prayer team up here. If you'd like to pray on any issue, please come on up here. Love to have you. Thanks. Come back next week and bring a friend, please.